Hey yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I am dying laughing because Maddie is laughing. And that's the the tone of the show we're gonna set here. It's gonna be a fun one. It's episode 49 of 43.6, uh, which is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, which we'll talk a bit more about later. But we are also on this show are gonna talk about Tim and Friends, the World Baseball Classic, the Stahl Brothers. And Lamar Jackson. All of that and a whole lot more. Now, you're probably wondering why I was laughing at the beginning of this show. And probably why these two chuckleheads are still laughing right now. It's be- so, James is watching this ridiculous YouTube video before we started recording. And that wasn't even that funny. It wasn't even funny at all, honestly. But then, what? like, we said, okay, we're ready. Let's record. And then James hits the music. But, like... He's still laughing. We're all, yeah, we're all in remote areas, right? So, like, I can't see when James hits the button. I just listen for the music. And there's, like, a split-second delay between everything. So, Maddie's still kind of talking as the music starts. And, like, you can hear him say something and, like, all of a sudden stop and mute himself <laughs> as the music is rolling. And you can see, like, Maddie acknowledges it to me. And, like, I acknowledge it, like, with eye contact. But we don't say anything. We just keep going. But then Maddie realizes. Anyway, it's, it's this whole thing. It was funny. James, how was your week? Sweating. Uh, sweating. Um, no, man, it was good. Dude, I I um I did the thing. Um I went and got a haircut. Um and the guy that I got a haircut from uh did like I can like I'm not afraid to admit it did a complete and utter hack job. It honestly, no, I'm i I'll take off my hat in a ser- in a minute, I'll show you. Like Dustin, you have a very nice, well coiffed hair cut from well you know why anthony de francesca right right because i went to nardis uh nardini's, nardini's. in uh, mississauga you should i did not i don't live anywhere near mississauga so i went to oh neither do i but like i i, I take hair care at center point mall some <laughs> that's where <laughs> this i went. is your problem you can't complain because you you're like oh i don't live anywhere near a nice place that's gonna cut my hair properly but then you go to like the first choice that's not true there's like the a barber mall. there's like a barber young and finch and stuff but like it's dude that inflation that stuff's expensive and at the so end of the day hair grows back our boy moved and our boy moved and he's like because he's in a different salon i charges a lot of money anyway i don't know 100 percent that this guy ever cut hair before i'm like 100 <laughs> like i'm i'm not first of all like he he's like i've only been here for a year um <laughs> And he's like, I don't understand. Like, and this is the thing. He's like, I don't understand English very. Like, I don't speak English very well, but I can understand it perfectly. I'm like, okay, good. So he's like, sides. What do you want? I'm like, ah, number two. And then he goes, okay. And so he goes to do number two, but then he stops. He goes, I'm not going to do number two. And I said, what? He goes, I'm gonna do number two, two and a half, three, then Caesar. And I was like, what the fuck is a Caesar? I'm like, is, a is a Caesar, Caesar a kind is of the thing where it's like it, it goes down and it comes up? No, like your, what he was saying was down. scissors. Caesar. Oh shit! Caesar means scissors. Caesar, <laughs> right? And I didn't, I didn't know what he was saying. So anyway, check this out. Like, I don't know if you can see. Hang on. Oh, oh. But if you look, so James is now removing his hat. It's all. Well, it's not even a thing. Like it's all no. like. You know what? It's, it's all messed up. It's a borderline pompadour. 
Dude, it, it looks goes, totally fine. No, it goes from like shaved to just hair. Like there's no there's no fade, there's no nothing. Oh, yeah. okay. I I didn't notice based on yeah. the camera. It might be hard to see. <laughs> Essentially he's got the Korean dictator haircut. Yeah, dude. Like <laughs> Kim Jong fucked up right here. And I like I it looks like I fell into a weed whacker. That's what it looks like happening. Well, here's the question though, James. How often are you not wearing a hat? I mean, I'd like to try and stop wearing it at work sometimes. Just, you know, up the professionalism game a bit. Right. Um, so that was be my next question is like, are you wearing a hat to work? And it sounds like the answer is yes. Yeah. But now I have to wear it again, at least tomorrow until I get this thing fixed. So I, you know what? I could just grow my hair out, but also, you know. We can't. were gifted with fantastic heads of hair in our genealogy. Until today. And now I've got a weird fucking... And dude, the guy had all gold utensils. Like, all... like I don't know. Like, I don't... Utensils like he's cutting a steak. It, it might as well have been the way this thing is. And, like, the front of my head wasn't even, like, this. Like, it didn't make sense. Like, this was out to here. I shaved it. it was, this was out to here. And it was poking out of my hat, but the other side wasn't. So when was, James says this, he's talking about his hairline. So... It's very weird. Like the right, the right side of his hairline was a little too close to his eyebrow, essentially. Very, very weird. So well, well, that was what I so did. So, have you ever in your life just just shaved your head and said whatever? No, I've never shaved my head, that. but during the pandemic, I did like basically just give myself a mullet half the time and shave the <laughs> sides and a little bit under the back, and I didn't cut the top because I was too afraid to actually try and do the scissors. The scissors, I was too afraid to do that. So um, the scissors. Yeah, so I just I would shave the sides myself, which isn't hard. You just pin your hair up and shave your head to whatever number you want, and that's it. But yeah, no, I, I never meant like your entire no, head. Like no, I never buzzed it. No, you? Yeah, I did once. I was probably like in my early twenties, where I took my beard trimmer and just just shaved it all off. Yeah, no, never done that. I don't know why. I've never just. I've always. I've always worried that like my head's gonna be some odd fucking shape, or there's like a dent in it. And people be like, "Whoa, fuck! Look at that dent!" And I'll be like, "Whoa! I didn't know that was there." You know. Well, worst case scenario, you put a hat on, <laughs> like you do ninety-five percent of the time, anyways. Also true, but he actually sleeps in a hat. I'm sure because I've I do been not. over at my dad's. Where he's passed out on the couch and he's wearing. A hat. I pass out in a hat. <laughs> that doesn't mean I sleep in a hat. It's not. It's not a baseball hat though. He switches to like the the, the sleeping hat. You know, the sleeping like, cap with like the <laughs> yeah. long thing on it. <laughs> Does anybody imagine if anyone still wore that? Imagine someone goes to bed, puts on the hat with the long ass tail, like the dragon tail or the rat tail. Do you remember those like long Scrooge? hats back when we were in elementary school? and the dragon ones yeah but everyone wanted them and then it kind of fell out of style and then the new style became wearing a hockey sock in the same similar way a hockey sock yeah where it was you knew the kids who played hockey growing up because the the trend was instead of going and buying one of those long tailed toques it like the dragon tail hat it was they would just wear a hockey sock this is all new to me. Like, I know I, I definitely had the long dragon tail toque thing. Like, I definitely had one of those, but I, de I never graduated to a hockey sock. But I mean, I never played hockey, so maybe that's why. Yeah. And like, you would have kids where they're essentially their team color sock on their head as like the toque. Cause I know I did it. Cause I, at the time, played uh, in Newmarket and I had like the um, 
penguins color. So my sock was yellow, black, and white. I vaguely I remember this. Jim Jim had a red one. I believe like a red and white one. I mean, I don't remember putting it on my head, but I vaguely remember this trying to be a style. Yeah, it was for like one winter when we lived in Aurora. Right? Well, so yeah, I mean, that, it's possible that might have been like a Aurora, Ontario thing, but maybe not. Let us know in the comments of this episode <laughs> if you also wore a hockey sock on your head when you were a child. Um, I don't remember this. I mean, I did play soccer, but I don't think I would get one of my soccer socks <laughs> over my head. I don't think that would have been possible, honestly. I'm not going to lie. If you could do that, I'd be very impressed. You have to have a very small head. Do you have a small head? Because like, I know like... I mean, I see you on camera, but like, is your melon normal size? Is it undersized? Is it oversized? I like to think my head is in proportion to my body. I think it's pretty normal. normal. I've seen it in real life. Because like, I I haven't seen you in person in years, right? Just Mm -hmm. because I haven't seen you since I I think the last Smash show I would have gone to, which would have been a long time ago. Um, And but like back then you had like longer salad up top, right? Like a little I mean, bit longer than what you keep it now. Yeah, I've I've gone through many different uh, hairstyles over the years. Yeah, so many, many different. Anyway, this know. fucking guy shouldn't be employed, um, <laughs> and now I have to go get it fixed. And I tipped the guy because I felt bad. Why? Because I don't feel I I have a problem leaving a place and like someone does something for a living and being like, hey buddy, you fucking suck at this job, which is weird because the other day I I blew up at a Canadian Tire telling this broad she sucked at her job, but um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. But now I mean, you're like, validating his shitty work. I know. It just it's so much personal when there it's just you and the guy or the girl and it's you know it's not like it's not like someone at a counter for a customer service desk. It's a little different. Like there's there's a craft oh. to it. It's like it's like telling a, an artist who's like, "How do you like my painting?" and being like, "Well, it fucking sucks." Would so, you then artist subjective? You're you're saying you're going to get it fixed or yeah. done or whatever. Are you going back to the same place to get it fixed? Fuck or are you going to no. a different place. I'm going to a different place. I'm going to a different mall. <laughs> going to a different <laughs> mall. <laughs> I mean, I I will say I remember a story when we were kids. We went to the Promenade Mall up in what Vaughn, I guess it would be. I don't know, Vaughn Thornhill, whatever you want to call it. And my dad, we were there. He wanted, needed to get his haircut for something. And he walked in, sat down in the chair. And the guy just flat out goes, and I was like, yeah, just a trim. And the guy goes, you know what? Let's do something crazy. Let's do something wild. Started cutting my dad's hair. My dad was like, nope. Gets up, just walks right out of He's like, boys, let's go. Anytime who someone says that, though? Who just says, like, let's take it upon themselves to say we're doing something else? Wild. Not just something else, wild. We're going to do something yeah. wild with your hair. And my That's, dad's got, like, a top-tier kind of, you know, bunch of lettuce up there. But that's you something know? a middle-aged, midlife crisis woman asks for. Right, that she walks into the salon and says, "I need to do something wild." Yeah, no, I want to do something wild. I need. Nobody approaches you and says, "Let's do something wild." It's offside. So how? So how do they fix it in your mind? How do you? How do they fix your hair? Well, I got to even out the the levels there a little bit, and maybe 
you know, not have 14 different lengths on top. Apparently, if you look at it from the back, it's just, it's fucking, you know, like Chucky. It's called layering. You're like, no, it's not called layering. Yeah, it's like if they if, if layering was if layering had Parkinson's, that's what my the back of my head would look like. <laughs> so here, I'll make you a deal. Don't get it fixed proper. I will give you a hundred dollars and pay for the cut if you get a bowl cut. <laughs> that's kind of worth it. I don't know. <laughs> I, just I will give you a hundred dollars. You got to sit in a meeting with it, like part of Christmas. <laughs> Down in front of your head. That's tempting. I'm, if I knew, can I tell anyone it's for a hundred dollars? No, you don't have to tell anyone it's for a hundred dollars. Actually, you can't tell them you were paid for it. You have to make yeah. it seem like it this was your own I volition and your own that idea. I asked for it, right? Yeah, that I, said, I pointed the bowl. I pointed in the magazine. Give me this. No, you pointed at the countertop to the bowl and said, "Give me that." <laughs> He pulled out a Canadian tire flyer and showed, like, here's a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I want. Exactly. Just put I want this, this on my head and then do it. See, I, I, I kind of, I kind of fucks with what he's saying though, because for obviously for those who can't see right now, and you know, obviously Jim's known me my whole life, and Dustin, you know me for a little bit of time here. I have long hair, right? So like my fear. Part of the reason why my hair is long is because I love my hair and my fear is someone fucking it up so bad. It's my only good physical feature on my body is my hair. So I'm like paranoid. I get it cut once a year, if that, because I'm so worried about it getting butchered. And that's why I'm sad that our buddy that usually does it does awesome job. Like you be like, this is what I want. He'll do it to a T. Perfect. That's supposed to be the gig. Right. But no, like you have to assume sometimes like, oh, maybe a little longer here or whatever. Like not exactly. Like he is just, and he went like triple the distance further away from where he was. So now it's like, what do I do? Do I just suck it up and go get it done? Or do I just say, hey, let her grow even longer because it's like just past chin length for me right now i say let it go let it let it keep growing and do what i did and after it gets to like 12 inches whatever just cut off a whole chunk of it then lose lose your job whatever lose your house and just sit outside what charity it was (laughs) lose your job lose your house sit outside whatever complete the trifecta (laughs) sit on a stoop yeah all day whatever but yeah, no, I I feel you though. Like the hair thing is 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 one of those things for me where it's when someone messes it up, you're they're like Hulk levels of rage inducing. And the guy tried to put gel and styling stuff in it to like make it look good. I'm like, buddy, you're putting lipstick on a pig right now. Like, there's no, <laughs> this is unnecessary for the job you've you've completed, the job you think you've completed using this product. <laughs> it's a waste of product. Literally he spikes it up. No. You see it even worse. Yeah, no, it's it's literally, buddy. You're wasting this product on the job you've done right now. So let me go. Let me go put the hat on. Let me get the hell out of here. Let me go home. I'm already over it. Like it's not that big of a deal. Like someone can fix it. Fuck, I was gonna try and fix it, and then that's it. It's just it's weird, man. If you saw the shape, it's just it's weird. Like it's not even like weird. Like those dudes who put the weird slit through their hair. Like when they you see on TikTok where they fall and they just puts the line like it's 
Like oh, the guys with the razor and they go right through your eyebrow. Yeah. Do you do that? You ever done that? What like cut into my eyebrow for uh, the style? Yeah, yeah like where they, what they do is they take like a razor and they start here razor, and it goes straight. down across. Oh yeah, definitely not. Although I do yeah. have like I don't know if you can see it. Like that's where my eyebrow ring used to be. So like there's like a yeah, scar. I got that too. Yeah, hair doesn't grow anymore, but. Huh. That's that's it. Like so, sometimes people think I am doing that, where it's like, no, like I, hair just doesn't grow. Well, anymore. they would need the line for the rest of your hair too. Um, right. it's, it's like it's like you got scared. It's like you did the eyebrow, and I was like, no, no, no stop. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I changed my mind. Uh, so to put a bow on it, uh, Maddie, yes, I think you should grow it out long and cut it off, and then donate it to a Child's Voice Foundation. Was the name you did of the that? Place. Yeah. Yeah, the the um, actual program is called Angel Hair for Kids. It's a cool idea. It just gives your hair to little kids that need it. Um, however, though, Maddie, how was your week? It was good. I mean, honestly, the past two weekends, it's just been all Diablo 4, which is sad because I have an infant child that needs to be taken care of. And it also doesn't carry uh, over. What? Yeah, it doesn't roll over because it's just beta <laughs> access, right? <laughs> So, so you grind for nothing. <laughs> yeah, but it's only and it's only level 25. And I just really, really <laughs> wanted to try Necromancer and it was fun and it's broken. It's going to get nerfed to the ground. I'm going so full nerdy here. But yeah, it was I, I enjoyed it. And then it's like it's just one of those weekends where it just seemed like it was just nonstop kind of stuff going on. Like wife's cousin came over on Friday. They watch. Oh, OK, here, here. I texted this to Jimmy and he was like so quizzical. And then when I explained it to him, he's like, but why? So my wife and her cousin, they're Korean, obviously. It's their first language. Not that you would ever know because they neither of them have any kind of accent whatsoever because they've been here for so fucking long. <clears throat> anyway, in saying that, they are they were looking for a movie to watch. Like they watch movies and together and it's like a big thing they share. Um, so they were like, Hey, let's watch the Banshees of Inishirin. Okay. So I'm like, I have no desire to see this movie. Yes. It's an Oscar movie and whatever. Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson and, you know, Barry Keoghan. And, you know, so it's a very Irish cast, obviously, because it's dealing with Ireland. So I'm like, I have no desire to watch. I'm going to play Diablo. You guys watch whatever. I come out at one point because they ordered food, ramen, God tier level food, by the way, spicy pork from Kinton. So good. I have to disagree with that, but go on. Yeah, but you suck. So it's so we I go to get the food and I'm sitting there and I'm watching. I'm like, wait, there's subtitles on and they're like staring at the TV, staring at the subtitles. I'm like, are, are you guys OK? Like, are they speaking Gaelic? They're like, no. I'm like, then why are the subtitles on? They're like. We can't understand the accent. <laughs> okay, you know what? I don't even fault them for that. Because like, if it's a hardcore like Irish accent, and or even a hardcore English accent, sometimes like, like when when my parents used to watch Coronation Street, like if they're talking fast enough, I don't know the fuck these characters are saying, and we're supposedly speaking the same language, so I get it. Yeah, so like we grew up watching Coronation Street here and there with my grandmother. And like my aunts, because it'd be Sunday morning, you just kind of sit there with them and hang out like you're eating breakfast or munching on shit and it's on. Right. And then we also have family that would come every now and then from Ireland and, you know, hang out and stay with us and shit. And like my cousin, Sean, I remember one time 
where a lot of the time would babysit when he would be over like Jim and me because like my dad would be out golfing you know my grandparents would be sleeping he'd just be hanging out and he would like cook us breakfast and babysit us a little bit kind of thing so he had like the thick thick Irish accent like he spoke Gaelic he was old school Irish um so like I'm sitting there watching I'm like I, I don't get it and they're like squinting at the TV he just made me chuckle it was just kind of like a fun little story for me that you know they needed the subtitles to watch Banshees of Sharon, but it is what it is. But other than that, so like he came over Friday and then Saturday, um, my wife took the kid to dim sum with her friends. So I got like four or five hours more diablo time. <laughs> more diablo time. And then, and then Sunday, her friend came over for like one of her best friends hasn't come by to see the kid yet so her friend came over for a couple hours they went for a walk around in the park and stuff so it was more diablo 4 beta so that was honestly my weekend i and oh i did the grand return to office last week oh boy i'm not gonna lie it is tough um and it's not the fact of going to the office like that's fine i don't give a shit where i work Right. Like you tell me to go work and, you know, be one in a storage closet like Milton Wadhams done. I can do it. Right. But it's the people coming by constantly to just stop and talk to you. Right. Like I got nothing done and it's upset. It upsets me because I'm very much the type where <clears throat> when I work, I just I I'd rather work really hard for like a shorter period of time than like moderately for a long period of time. Do you know what I mean? So it just, it just meant it pushed everything back by like a day and a half. And then it just messed up my whole vibe. I'm like, I can't lose two days of this a week. There's no way in hell. But then Loki heard a secret from a friend that there's these desks or pods that are like, the, did you ever see that movie, the interview with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson? Like, um, or sorry, the internship where they're at like Google trying to get the jobs. And they're like old guys, right? Yeah. So there's these desks there that are kind of like those like nap pod desk things where they're fully like kind of enclosed, except for like, they're not full over top. It just kind of cascades a little bit over. And they're for the people there that don't book desks that come in last minute to just sit and work. And I'm like, I'm just gonna fucking work from those things from now on. They're way more comfortable than the office chairs. They're like padded things and there's like footrests on them and a swing out desk, like almost like a first class airport seat. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And no one can see that you're in those desk pods because they're like enclosed and supposed to be like private workstations. So, and no one uses them. So that's my new plan. Yeah, our company has <laughs> those too. They call them the head down workspaces. And yeah, you're not supposed to approach someone if they're in one of those spaces. And no one ever uses them, but I can definitely see someone curling up and going to sleep in one because you'd never know. Right. And so for me, it just means like, yo, when I got to do like a lot of reviews or I got to do like a lot of like the project work, like that's going to be a lifesaver for those days that I go in the office. Like I'll maybe pop my head out, do the social thing for like the morning. Say, hey, good morning. How's it going? Catch up. How's your day? Blah, blah, blah. And shit like that. And then bam, disappear into those. Dude, speaking so, of working at work or sleeping at work, working at work. Back in the day, I, when I used to work at this place, 
sometimes I would go in the bathroom and like clockwork at a certain time of day, there was this like 300 pound dude that'd be sleeping in the stall every single time. And sometimes I would question to myself, does he go in there to fall asleep or does he fall asleep mid shit? Like, which one is it? Like, do you go in there with the intent to sleep or does are you having such intense shits that you're so tired and you just pass out there? And I, well, I could hear him snoring. Blood rush. Yeah. Blood rush. He pushes so hard. Passes that out. That he cuts off. Yeah. It's like having a sleeper hold up line. <laughs> <laughs> So Remember just, when we did that to Luke? Yes, I do. But yeah, oh. this guy, I would just snore so loud. That just reminded me of that. When you're like, it doesn't like you could sleep in there. I'm like, you could also sleep on the shitter <laughs> at work. Apparently, no one, you won't get fired because the guy never got fired. I mean, that's just a veteran move then. But yeah, so that's my week. Went in today, wasn't as bad. Still kind of rough, but not as bad. But yeah. What about you, Deustin? Well, as I mentioned last week, I did go to the Toronto Marlies game this weekend. Uh, it was fun, you know, it was the Toronto Marlies. You know, it's uh, <laughs> what I was laughing about was uh, a few of the people I was with, like they don't watch hockey, they don't know what the fuck, anything. like they have no idea what's going on, right? They're there because we're in a box, and they're like, "Oh, this is fun, whatever," right? Um, I was looking up the lineup on of the team and like who's playing that day because obviously it's the Marlies that can change at the drop of a hat. Uh, but on the top line was uh, Kyle Clifford. And I'm like, I feel bad for Clifford because I feel like he's only ever called up to the big team is when they feel like, you know what? This might be a physical game. We might need someone to fight tonight. So let's call up Kyle Clifford. And six guys are injured. Or in a situation like that, yeah. No, I mean, it has to be both. And- <laughs> They're going to fight and there's six <laughs> guys injured. Right. And then lo and behold, like Clifford gets... Uh, a double minor for like tackling a guy and mounting him and filling him in some shots. So he made me look like I knew exactly what I was talking about. Other than that, though, I was did it a good John game, Wick. I mean, it was fun. Yeah, it's, it's a Marley's game. They lost like three nothing or something. It was, it, it was fine. It was a good time though. Uh, I did see John Wick yesterday though. John Wick Four, Chapter Four. I don't know what the, what the fuck it's called. The new John Wick movie. Um, man. Okay, listen. I know James hasn't seen any John Wick movies. And I'm going Friday, so if you spoil this, I swear to God. I will not spoil or anything. This is 100% spoiler free because obviously there's probably a ton of people listening to the show who have not yet seen John Wick. I understand people aren't like me who watch things on like the weekend it comes out. Um, I don't know if it's like my favorite John Wick movie, but it's good. I think you definitely feel the runtime at, at points. Like this is the longest John Wick movie by far. Yeah, like, I think the hours. other... Yeah, like it's it's close to three hours, and the other two John Wick movies were like hour forty five, hour forty five, and like two hours ten minutes or something. Like none of them were anywhere near this long, so you do feel that a bit, I think. But man, is it fun! Like, yeah, I heard Donnie Yen's John- actually very good in it. <laughs> Just wait, <laughs> Just and, wait. Uh, what's his name? Hiroki Serrata or whatever. Apparently, he's really good in it too. Uh, but he's sure. he, he's great in everything he does typically. Like he was really good in Bullet Train, even for like the brief bit he was in. And that's kind of the thing with this too. It's like he's not in it a whole lot, but yeah, he's he's good. Um, but yes, there's um one scene in particular, Maddie, because I know James is not going to see this. 
So, Maddie, there's one season scene in particular. I will eventually. It's gonna be his. Oh. It's gonna be his like next diehard where he never sees them, but then he watches them all at once, and then he's like, "These are fucking awesome." But anyway, as you there's work. one scene that, and you'll know it when you see it. But it's the most video game shit you've ever seen in your life, and there is it was like we're halfway through the scene and like it's still going. And I'm like, holy fuck, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in a movie, ever. ever. I'm pretty hyped for. I'm pretty hyped. Like, oh, <clears throat> I saw the first one. You like, I remember watching. Like, yeah, this was this was fun. Like, it was just you were entertained. Oddly enough, I bought into it because I really like the lore of the world of the assassins and stuff like that like i thought that was really cool and then they expanded on it in the second one um with you know he goes to italy and this isn't just like a thing in new york where you kind of originally thought now it's like a world thing and then the third one just really exploded the whole universe of that there's this whole underground that's been around for centuries or even a millennia kind of thing and you're just kind of like you're really into it so the fact that they're doing the tv show there's two TV shows. There's the ballerina and then there's the continental that they're doing, which is really about like in the hotel, which I don't even know if they'll do anymore. Cause I know Lance Reddick was originally supposed to be in the continental, um, which obviously he passed away, which sucks, but <clears throat> yeah, like the world they built is fantastic. Like, yeah, like they do leave like some threads hanging for you to like understand where they may be going next, but it's not immediately clear. So I don't know what they have planned for the Continental at all, honestly. Well, yeah, like, and I know the director, and I was just reading this actually just before we came on here, that his dream is to have Jet Li and Jackie Chan in the next one. Okay. Interesting. Well, so, interesting. Well, okay. We'll, what we'll I have want to, to happen more about this when everyone sees the movie. What I want to happen is to have something like White Lotus go like four or five seasons down the road. And at the end of the last season, it just somehow ties into John Wick and he just shows up and kills everybody. And it's just the end, like it just people be like, I've been watching five seasons thinking this was this one thing. And then somehow it takes this weird twist and Keanu Reeves shows up and he's just got two guns and he just kills everybody from the show. And that's the end of it. And it was like, at the end. It's like John Wick will return. <laughs> For John Wick one that came out years ago. Yeah. It's like a um, prequel. The, the ending of White Lotus is the beginning of the John Wick movies. Yeah. Like, that was his retirement run. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want to see. Are you going to go see D&D this week? I want to. Dustin? If if I don't go, go see John Wick on Friday, I'm going to see it on... I'm going to see it this weekend because I got, like, three hours to kill on, like, Friday night. Well, one, I, I don't think I'll be watching D&D. Uh, and two, I will have other plans <laughs> this weekend. Like what? Like WrestleMania is where I will be. I will be in Los Angeles, California, my friend, um, this coming week. So whatever. Don't be no, a WWE shill. Yeah. <laughs> Buy Did you sell your other ticket yet? I don't have them yet. So this is the thing. Like, I bought like through this travel pack, and they like they're like, oh, we'll send you the tickets like a week before the event, and then like on Saturday it said we'll send you your tickets uh seven to four days before the event. <laughs> For fuck's sake. So uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see once I ever get these tickets if I'm able to sell them. But if yeah. I don't, whatever. It's a sunk cost fallacy at this point. Also, um, I, an irresponsible use of my money was <laughs> buying MLB The Show 23 for like four days early access when I could have just got it for free you know tomorrow. What? 
I can't say I can't say anything because I paid an extra forty dollars for WWE 2K23 to play four days early. So I was yeah. shaking my head, but then I'm like, I'm really shaking my head at myself. You should be, because I've been having a ton of fun with MLB The Show, which all of you normal people who have Game Pass and choose to play it for free, included with their Game Pass description, can join me playing it. I guess by the time this episode comes out, you'll be able to download and play MLB The Show 23. I'm having a lot of fun with it, but I mean, it's it's the exact same game as it was last year. <laughs> Is it PC Game Pass? Um, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think I mean, it's on PC. Um, but... The only thing I've noticed that is significantly different than last year is defense is way harder, like way harder. Yeah, so. they've said that the D and they said that the the AI or the intelligence on batting is like there's significantly less foul balls. Oh well, I haven't encountered that yet because I was just playing a game where they're just fouling every goddamn pitch off until I beam them in the face because they get <laughs> the ball off. This is why Dustin can never be a pitcher in real life. He'll just get pissed off and absolutely just. Stack somebody right in the teeth. I saw a clip from the show this year where a guy hits the ball and it hits the pitcher in the head, and they like make the play to end the inning, and the pitcher's like writhing in pain on the ground, and the, the fielders just <laughs> run over the pitcher, just dying on the ground, and they just don't give a shit. Get to that baseball. Like, yeah, they just hop over his dead body. It's pretty funny. So, I will play MLB. I uh, up until. A Diablo. week on Friday. <laughs> no. Diablo's June 3rd, and I might be in Korea at that point. The next like game that I'm actually setting aside time for is June 22nd for Final Fantasy 16. But on Friday, April 7th, EA makes its return with PGA Tour Golf, and I can play Augusta National while Augusta National is being played for the Masters. <clears throat> Well, you say that, but also like the end of April is um, the new Star Wars game too. Yeah, I mean, I'll play it. I had a ton of fun with Fallen Order. Fallen Order is great. It's good. I I maybe like three quarters of the way through. (laughs) What? The game came out like three years ago. (laughs) Right. But the, the thing is, is I am so like an old Republic, like diehard fan. I think the world of during the old Republic was so much better that I think I'm just oversaturated with the, from essentially the end of attack of the clones up into force awakens with all the content they did done within that time period when it comes to games or, you know, stories and things like that, that I'm just like, all right, man, like I get it. So I think at that point, I like I like seeing when the Jedi were at their peak and things like that, which is what it looks like they're trying to do with the High Republic. So I I just I'm a fan of that time period. Yeah, I get it. Like, I, I think a lot of people are kind of or maybe not. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm reading too much into this, but I think there are people out there who are like at a Star Wars fatigue at this point. Like we had the if you think about it, like in the the eras of star Wars. Like you had the first three movies from the seventies to the eighties. And then there was nothing until what? 99, 98, whatever it was when mm-hmm. Phantom Menace came out. So there's a good, like 20 year break almost, or maybe 10 years, 10, 15 years. And then after that, after those three movies that essentially flopped, like I know clone wars came out around that time as well, but that wasn't like as mainstream, widely available things that people were watching religiously. Like they would have the movies. But ever since Disney made the purchase in whatever year they made their purchase, a few years ago now, 
it has been a lot of Star Wars. There's been a lot of stuff to keep up with with Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and Obi Wan and uh, Andor <laughs> and Bad Batch and the three other Five. mainline films. Ahsoka coming. Oh, plus right, James t- showing me more numbers. Yes, there was this, the Solo movie. There and was Rogue the One. Rogue um, One. Rogue One, the one written by Gary Whitta, and there has been another movie. Maybe there wasn't. Doesn't matter. Well, there's there's the like Rebel, five other Rebel, Star Wars movies. Rebels. And, five, and Rebels and five other shows and a couple other animated properties. Plus now Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor, I think is the new one's called. Yeah, there's a lot of Star Wars going on. So Cl- I can. Clone Wars and Rebels, though, are perfect. Like they are so good for content. Like in terms of. Because you can really slow burn some stories. You can lay seeds in one more and then pay it off like down the road like i loved rebels and i loved clone wars i think like clone wars is what you needed to really build up anakin to be like this mythical hero that he was in the whole star wars universe that makes him the fall of him to become darth vader that much more impactful you forgot bad batch oh i mentioned bad batch bad batch is good too i'm sure yeah i mean i think i watched a few episodes of bad batch the, the thing is, and we probably don't have time for this whole conversation, <laughs> but I, I do like the idea of flushing out Darth Maul as a villain because I think he was one of the more like interesting looking characters in all of the prequels. And we didn't get any of them, really, in, like, in terms of movie. We didn't get much of any of, any of him, but I know Clone Wars dives deeper into that story arc and he kind of comes back to life and all this bullshit. But yep. anyways, we should move on. We've put this off long enough. <laughs> it's time to actually talk about uh, sports stories uh, the intent of this program and the first one is something that came up literally as we were about to start recording and I mean about 40 minutes ago this broke that Tim and Friends the show on uh, Sportsnet is no more uh, and I think in a couple weeks it will uh, cease to exist and there is a long video explanation on the Tim and Friends Twitter page. You can go there and watch that if you want to hear what Tim McAuliffe says himself has to say about the situation. And here's the thing: like I was a huge supporter and follower of Tim and Sid, like way back. Like we're talking hardcore sports radio days. I would listen to that show religiously, and. Tim and Sid on Cut, the podcast, man. That podcast was awesome. They had, I don't remember which way it went, whether it was from Hardcore Sports Radio, then to the podcast, or it was podcast to their, whatever the case. I think it was Score Tonight, and then they did the podcast. Right, of course, yes, Score Tonight. And a lot of us got roped into Score Tonight because we were wrestling fans, and you'd watch Monday Night Raw, and then immediately after Monday Night Raw would be Score Tonight. And and it would be that cold open between Tim and Sid before the the role right and they, they would usually riff there and that's where you kind of were drawn into the score tonight because they were pretty funny in their commentary coming off that cold open which at the time and i i almost would even say now doesn't exist in sports at least in, in canadian television sports um that J, level jay Andre like, does it a little bit but not not the way they did it no, and I always looked at like Jay and Dan when they did their show on the three letter. Um, <laughs> it would be like a cheap ripoff of Tim and Sid. And I like, felt like it felt like that a little bit. I agree. 
I, I, I know. I, I, that was just me in my head at the time. Now looking at it as an adult, I'm like, no, it's just whatever. They're just trying to do a, a funny show. They're not necessarily ripping anybody off. But at the time, I was very much pro Tim and Sid. And man, that's something I miss a lot. Not just Tim and Sid, but I mean, the score was so goddamn important to this to the sports landscape in this country. Like an independent sports television station. Like that doesn't exist anymore. It's either uh, Rogers or Bell at this point. You're either TSN or you're SportsCenter. That's it. And it's almost impossible now to be like, okay, it's 10 o'clock at night. I want to just see some highlights of what happened today. Nope. Can't do it. Because TSN is showing fucking darts or something, and Sportsnet's going to have, like, I don't know. Top 30. Bullshit, bro. The most like Jason, <laughs> Blue Jays in 30 for over yeah. and over and over again all night. Or what was that other one they do? The most outrageous or some shit? Gotta oh, yeah, see the- it. Gotta see it, yeah. Fuck, man. I, I, just, I just can someone just give me the news? Dude, like I gotta saw it. Well, I already saw it the last three hours. I don't gotta see it anymore. Well, the thing is, is the highlight packs don't start until like the 11, 12 o'clock time period. Where at that point, you're like, I'm in bed. I want to watch my highlight packs. Dude, you know, I was yeah. Glenn Sheeler just doing the the voiceover on the rotating highlights. Like, yes. you could tune in most any time, and you're getting highlights. Greg Sansoni. Right. Sansoni. So if you were unaware and you didn't watch uh, the score and previously that was headline sports, it was just constantly like a, a revolving sports highlight show. Like you tune in and it's always going to show you highlights of what happened that day or the day before. So, Did they invent the ticker? I'm pretty sure they invented or at least they pioneered the ticker. I don't know if they Check the ticker so I don't for think the they invented the ticker, but what they did were they kept the ticker on exclusively like 100% of the time. So a lot of times, like if you're watching SportsCenter, there would be the highlights of the show uh, that you're watching, and then below is the ticker. But they go to commercial, and the ticker would be gone. Or they had some sort of other magazine show that they had, and the ticker wouldn't be there. On the score, the ticker was always there. Dude. Even if you're watching Monday Night Raw on the score, the ticker was still there. Check the ticker for the latest. Check the ticker for the latest. And you know what? I actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something real quick. So I used to, when I interned at the score, and I'm going to give a little bit of an early shout out here. Um, I interned there for about two years doing an overnight shift from 6.30 till 1, 1.30 in the morning because I would produce the Aftermath radio show with Ardo Ocal and Jimmy Corderas. Um, and I would sit there and we'd watch Raw together and take notes and I'd have to like do research and like build the show like rundown, like the platform and everything. Um and my quick shout out actually is to the guy who would help produce Monday Night Raw at that time. His name was Shane Brown. And Shane was an awesome guy. He would teach me about all the stuff that would happen during commercial because you'd still see the feed, right? Um, you know, in and out of commercial. And he would teach me how like that thing works and how we would get different things and stuff like that and the delay and whatever. But he actually passed away real young like last week. So quick shout out to Shane Brown. He was a good dude. Um, but yeah, the score was crazy, dude. We had Kofi Kingston there at one point. Um, they had that outdoor spot. It was, you know, what it was like. It was like the much music of sports, um, in a weird way. And mm-hmm. like when much music was at its peak, and like Tim and Sid were kind of like the flag bearers of. If they felt like the flag bearers of that, um, and when it went away, and they moved to, I guess they moved to Sportsnet Radio. 
like there's some iconic Tim and Sid moments. Like you remember like the the goal where he's like gold medal in your face. Like that was yeah. <laughs> the women's uh, gold medal. That yeah. was during their time on Sportsnet. I think they're exclusively on radio at the time. They may have had like one of like one overhead camera shooting yeah. the radio station of them doing their and show. It was on like but it was predominantly just a radio show in the Toronto market. Yeah, and I feel like man, like or even like Tim doing university football, like he was a big part of that too. Yeah, so like, OUA. yeah, I mean. I mean, through my formative years, they've kind of always been there. And, like, even when Sid left, like, Sid kind of got, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, way out there in the last couple of years in terms of his, like, takes and shit. Um, but when he left, it, it didn't didn't quite feel the same. Um, so it kind of feels weird that there's, like, neither of them are going to be in the, on that platform, you know? Yeah, so Tim McAuliffe did announce that he is doing something else with Sportsnet. He wasn't specific other than saying it will be a part of the NHL playoff coverage. Okay. And then at that point, like, I don't, I don't know what the future holds for him after that. It seems odd. Maddie and I were speculating that obviously the, the three letter at that same time frame in the day just run a a radio show uh whatever's simulcasting on their radio show they're just put a camera in there and they shoot that and they put that on television and i can only assume that that is significantly cheaper to produce than a full broadcasted you know produced television show it's you know you're using 4k cameras right and you're paying a lot more people to do a lot more different things that's my assumption that maybe Rogers has realized this is not financially responsible to put this much resources into this. I mean, it's not that different if you think about the same time period, so same uh, block of time in the day from 5 to 7 p.m. when Sportsnet Radio all just said, and said goodbye to Bob McCowan, who Bob yeah. McCowan in this market was like the most listen to voice in sports period like bob mccown was the guy like he had a very different kind of show he's a more like business oriented sports show but bob was like the most authoritative voice in sports in this country and they just said goodbye to him because he wanted twice him. i mean actually I, twice they said goodbye to him I, before I, Tim I guess Sid. i'm also like yeah so there's a couple times where this happened and I don't know exactly what the situation was, but from my understanding that it was a disagreement on what the value of that show was. And here we are again with Tim and Friends, which the show is now, of course, Tim and Friends, where Sid, uh, Sid Cicero has moved on somewhere else to breakfast television. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of sad because like we were saying about the score and Tim and Sid were such a huge part of that. And obviously the score is long gone and will never be come back. But man, we look back at those score days and you look at some of the broadcasters that used to be on that network, whether it was Tim McAuliffe and Sid Sixero. Elliot Friedman. <laughs> Elliot Friedman was one of them. <laughs> Glenn uh, Shealy. Renee Paquette. Ardo Cal. Um, Adnan Verk, who's now... Adnan Verk, like yeah. the voice of MLB Network right now. Ardo Cal, who's with ESPN right now. Um... Mar Ronello, who dude, is like the Steve, voice in combat Steve sports. Coolius. 
Steve Coolius, Steve who works Coolius? at the NHL Network. Yeah, like another guy who's moved on to like I think he's with the NHL Network now. Yeah. Jackie Redmond's with the NHL Network now. Mm-hmm. So, dude, I have a funny anyways, story. This... I have a funny story about Jackie Redmond. I don't know if I should share it, but I'm gonna. I remember the first okay. time they <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. they moved Aftermath to TV with Jackie as the host. Because that was when my internship was ending because they didn't need me to produce anymore because it was TV and not radio, right? And they had producers. But they had us in there to learn some things off. Like, they were nice about that. And I remember the first time I was in there, I was in, in the production booth behind the glass, and there was the studio, right? And I just remember Jackie, it was her first time doing it. And she was really nice. And she's sitting there, and she's with Jimmy. And they're trying to film, and she keeps messing things up. And Greg Sansoni, I shit you not, from behind the glass, he goes, fuck it. She's never going to get it. She's never going to get it. How many times? Like, we must have done, like, 12 takes or something. He's just like, for fuck. And, like, and, like Greg always came off as this, like, really nice and, like, easygoing dude. But, like, yeah. in that moment, he's just like, she's never going to fucking get it. And it was just, it was so funny. And, I mean, obviously, she ended up getting it, clearly. But, like. Um, clearly, because she is actually very successful in the world of broadcasting. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> further past Greg Sansoni at this point. Um, right. But, yeah. Um, it was the, just he's a more funny behind memory. the scenes, though. He's, like, VP of, like, content for Sportsnet or Rogers. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what he's doing anymore. I guess maybe, but um, yeah, I don't, I wonder what they're gonna fill that spot with. You know, I, I'm I got a weird a weird gut feeling it's gonna have something to do with sports betting. <laughs> like I have a you know like maybe they bring back Gabe Morenzi and Cam Stewart for three hours. Yo, that's a throwback. <laughs> that and that's another also great score. example of score guys of the score. Just another thing that the score like innovated was talking about gambling on Canadian on Canadian airways that technically wasn't legal at the time. Yeah. So just just as like a quick follow up, Greg Sansoni is currently vice president of programming at Sportsnet. There you go. So like anyways. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, just the the point is, yeah, Jackie is a tremendous broadcaster right now. So so um, speaking of Cam Stewart. Is it just me, or did now like looking back, he was a life like he was like a live action bobblehead. <laughs> you know, like yeah, he's yeah. Like, oh, that's the one way to describe him. Like, he's always, like, like honestly though, he's entertaining guy, and he knew his shit. Like when oh, him yeah. and Gabe Morenci were talking, like they knew sports betting in this country before a lot of people were into well, sports yeah. betting in this country. And I mean, even the score kind of innovated that that radio show as TV show thing. It was they like drive this. Remember, it was the top down in in the radio room that I used to produce from, and the camera would just be at the top. And I forget who was on Drive This. Um, I forget who hosted it. I have to look that up. But yeah, it was they they innovated that as TV, and then Overdrive kind of took that. Um, uh, well, no, McCallan took it first. Yeah. And then it started Tenancy to go to TSM it. with Lease Lunch. Yeah. And then they st- they started doing, and then Overdrive, and then I, I like I said, I think also too that I I don't personally know, and I know we're kind of getting beyond just the whole like Tim and Fred's is leaving, and it's the end of an era for you know kind of sports in the country. But I personally don't know what their their strategy is. <laughs> In terms of, and I'm laughing because Jim had to move his chair. He's trying to crawl back, but his socks are sliding on the floor, so he got no grip. Um, I don't know what the content strategy is 
for Sportsnet at this point because with TSN, you see they have Jay Onright as your late night overnight guy. You have the NHL stuff they do. They have That's Hockey, which leads right out of their six o'clock Sports Center hit, which is on one of their or a couple of their TSN stations, which then the other mainline TSN station is Overdrive. So it's just like you kind of know habitually where everything is with TSN at any given time. So you know when you turn on TSN what you can watch and where and whatever it is. But with Sportsnet, you're just like, well, you have no idea what you're getting at any given time if it's there's no hockey games on. I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to take the MTV strategy and it's just going to be 46 hours of ridiculousness. They're just going to, in syndication, just... <laughs> Gotta see it for, for 24 hours on Sportsnet But, but that's 1X. the thing. The Tim and Friends thing is weird because... And Dustin, I think you're right. There's something weird here because it's the primetime sports slot. Yeah, that 4 that, to 6 or the 4 to 7 is the... That's the block. Like, and I wonder if they're going to... Like, I wonder if the Jays are going to get more coverage. Like, are they going to give, like, Jeff Blair time? Like, I don't... Like, because the Jays are obviously like there's a lot behind you know the renovations and and trying to market them. Um, I don't know. Maybe if, if just that... do a new show, cheaper cheaper people. Maybe and like are I, they... I I suspect they will take whatever they have on their radio radio station from five to seven, and they will simulcast that until it's pregame time for their NHL coverage. Because yeah, because and do you just let. And is Tim just writing out a contract so they're giving him something to do? That's what also I suspect. But I don't I don't know. But that's what it looks like to me based on what has been what we've been told in the five minute video that's been up on uh, Tim and Friends uh, Twitter account. Well, it, it's speculation, right? But like that's what it sounds like to me. Like they're giving him something else to do in the NHL coverage, but there's no indication he's doing anything else after that. So if to be honest, I mean I love David Amber. They usually kick Ron McLean out. Give David Amber the spot or Jeff Merrick yep. and then move Tim, rotate Tim into there because he's just as good as those guys at, at that kind of gig. Um, I would I love think, to see. I think Dustin's onto something. I think Kipper and Bourne get that slot. They yeah. sign, they move Kipper and Bourne to the four to seven oh, and yeah. simulcast because Never right did. now it's the fan drive time from five to seven, Kipper and Bourne from three to five. I wouldn't be surprised if they either do four to six or four to seven for Kipper and Bourne and they just simulcast it on TV. Yeah, four to six it, would make sense because you're going right into NHL playoff coverage. So they'll probably start all their pregame stuff at six o'clock. And maybe that's where Sid or, or excuse me, that's where Tim is. He's doing some like NHL pregame thing from six till seven or whatever. And I don't see him on the panel. Um, no. I, just because I don't see him as a hockey guy. Um, I think Tim obviously is well versed in everything, but I, I see him more as like a w more well-rounded sports guy. I don't seem like a hockey guy. I think if there are moving someone into that spot, I think it's Sam Cosentino who probably graduates to that spot. But I mean, I see Sam as a answer. as a panelist. I I feel like Tim's probably a better host. Like right, the, yeah, I would agree. Like like I said, I wonder, like if I, they moved, if they rotated ron out and david amber david into amber and, and tim and then and Merrick into amber that rotate tim into jeff's spot um or something along those lines because i think he'd be great at, at the the hosting gig or doing like a remember how george stromalabas did those sit-down interviews back in the day like he'd be good for that too 
Um, yeah, like special, like special works and stuff but like, like that. I couldn't see him being like, now we throw it to Tim, who's down at Scotiabank, and Tim's got the fucking <laughs> the Mark Masters. Yeah, he's gig. past that time in his career in terms of him right. doing that again. But so I well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has. You know how like during trade deadline they have the the newsbreakers and they have like the story desk, like the players thing, and then they have the main desk with like um, different people. I wouldn't be surprised if for the cup playoffs, if yeah, Tim gets his own desk with like special features, like maybe a couple old players to do, you know, nightly coverage of some of the games, because like, what if you have main desk for, which we know what the main night is going to be, is going to be Leafs Tampa. And that's going to be your main. And then say whatever other games are on, there's a secondary desk that they cover that stuff. And Tim's doing that. Well, it'll be interesting. I mean, the guy's yeah. obviously got staying power and he's got uh, a strong, you know, presence in the Canadian sports world. Whatever he does next, he'll be successful. It's just, I think I'm interested to see what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that Tim McAuliffe, uh, in the world of professional sports in this country is a national treasure. Oh, for and sure. this episode is brought to you by now your treasures. Now your treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Source from galleries in the U.S. and U.K., which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram and send them a DM 43.6 to receive a 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or .com, and remember to go to Now Your Treasures on Instagram, send them a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. Another treasure that we have been gifted with. You killed that, was, by the way. Sorry? You killed that one. Good job. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, another treasure we've been gifted with was the World Baseball Classic, and specifically that championship game. Now, that game was existing as we were recording our last episode and i don't know if we said it on the show but like i think we said something like how cool would it be if it was like ended up being like mike trout and shohei otani like not even we didn't even like consider the possibility of it being like it's a one-run game it's the bottom of the nine last out it's the last out there's two outs otani is in relief for some reason and mike trout's at the plate like it's just all of the stars aligned in such a ridiculous way for this to have happened. And um, the world spoke in their viewership. There is a record attendance, first of all, for the entire World Baseball Classic tournament. Uh, one point, over 1.3 million people attended the World Baseball Classic, uh, which is the highest since the whole thing started in 2006, which is insane. Um, <laughs> what was also funny it was like there's over 200 uh, credentialed media for the championship because you assume just because like the when the Japanese in their baseball like they have media like crazy for all those events. I'm taking actually all these numbers from uh, the Forbes article, so feel free to go over to Forbes.com and uh, check this one out. It's really interesting stuff. I'm just some of the s- snippets I will share with you. 42.4 percent of Japanese households watched that game. It's like almost half the goddamn country tuned in to watch that game. That's like hockey level numbers for us. 
like for the Olympics. Although I think in the Olympics, like the hockey games for us is like 80% of people watch, but like 42% and like a mind boggling number. Dude, I don't think game. it's 80. I honestly, I think in Canada, it's, I think the peak is like 30 something. For that, for, for Vancouver 2010, Canada, US, you think it was only 30%? Yeah, I well, I have to look it up, but well, but but think about this though. Let's let's say it was a hundred percent of the Canadian audience. It's still less than the population of that watch in Japan because of the population density. Right. So, um, I off the top of my head, I think the Canadian population is somewhere between thirty five and forty million people. I just looked it up. The population of Japan right now, as of twenty twenty one, is uh, one one hundred and twenty five million people. So, over seventy five million people watched this game in Japan. That's insanity. That's if you think, but <laughs> that's a lot of people watching this baseball game. Um, 5.2 million people in the US, which is still a massive number for baseball in the United States. Not only baseball in the United States, but like just a, a tournament that's not Major League Baseball. I mean, it's an association with Major League Baseball, but it's not like we're talking about the World Series here. We're talking about the final of a tournament that happens once every six years. Well, technically it's supposed to be once every three years, but, you know, COVID and, you know, that stuff. Okay, so you were, you know what, you were, you were kind of right. It was 85% share of people watching TV. So not 85% of the population, but like if you were watching TV at that point in time, 85% of the people were watching. They said about 16 million Canadians, so it was about half. So probably about the same. 22 million here. 22 million, the... Uh, 26.4 watch some part of the game yeah so uh, the uh, the average viewership so like extended time was about 16.6 so about half the population at the time anyway it's pretty crazy the numbers the television rating numbers from the u.s was an increase of 96 percent over the last time they did this tournament but i also think that's kind of the caveat is that the prevalence of social media and people talking back and forth, engaging, whatever, probably helps boost those numbers. Not to say social media didn't exist at the time, but I think it is more ingrained in like everyday norms and kind of societal functions that it probably helped that. I also think we're in a golden age of youth baseball players that are playing in these countries, right? Like, I don't think Shohei was in the last one. Um, then you have guys like J-Rod and Soto. Trout, like these guys, like it's a, it's a new era of, of young play, exciting players that are playing for all these countries. You know, like you said, Randy Rosarina. I mean, dude, fucking Trey Turner, like fucking, you know, it's, it was, like this, it was very compelling in terms of the teams and the players that were on them. And it's funny because we, like we mentioned last week, like I definitely undercalled it, um, and its significance. The other thing to note. And I saw a lot on social media. The hats were sold out everywhere and were being resold for like $400. Like the, the different like Puerto Rican hats, insane. They were sold out everywhere. So like obviously there was demand for this. Yeah, if you ever wonder why Major League Baseball players wear hats, that's why. There's no reason for it to be a part of their uniform. <laughs> Right, like you don't need to wear a hat ever. Like a helmet makes sense if you're like you're batting, but like you're in the field, like you don't really. You, don't you could just wear hat. sunglasses. Yeah, but this oh. is why it's a great way to merchandise the team 
and the teams. And this is a great well, example. As to, <laughs> you are going to buy those jerseys. No, God, no. Oh, brother. <laughs> right? So <laughs> yeah. you had to buy something. Yeah, those jerseys were rough. That's absolutely is true. That's an but, understatement. Uh, so again, like it, all the stars aligned for what was the most ridiculous at bat in the history of baseball, I want to say. Like Otani was just laying in fastballs. Dude, right 100 mile an hour is jacked each time. Right down at his teammate, just not giving a shit. Just yeah. daring the best hitter in baseball to try to catch up to his fastball. What's, what freaks me out is that, so do you hear the commentary that this mad dog dude in the U.S. was like, nah, it wasn't that, like, the moment was cool, but the moment didn't deliver was kind of his point because, like, Trout didn't swing. Like, he barely, like, you know, there was no foul. There was no, there was no, I don't, like, I don't know if I agree with it, but I felt like, I felt like as soon as it was on, I was like, like, I was locked in. Like, I need to watch these two battle it out. Because it's the only excitement these two are going to have at all this season, right? So, you know, and it feels like you're, you know, you're watching the best player in baseball, possibly all time, like net-net, and Shohei Otani just do it, like, from all over the field. And then deliver, like you said, to one of the best hitters in baseball is and his teammate. This is a unique moment. You're, you're just you're never going to capture, and they, it almost feels manufactured. Like it, yeah, like it's so perfect that it's hard to believe it just happened organically, but it did. And the reason, like you touched upon it, like the reason why this is such a big deal is like, one, the Angels suck, so the chances of them having a, a meaningful moment at the chance of Shohei Otani <laughs> not, not pitching, a season, a meaningful moment, right? Like the, the, the chances of Otani pitching a meaningful baseball game is unlikely this season. The chance of Mike Trout standing in the box with the opportunity to tie the game at, in the bottom of the ninth in a championship game, probably not going to happen in his career. I mean, I shouldn't say that it's mm. probably not going to happen this year. And hasn't happened in the history of his career. Who knows what can happen years from now. And obviously not to mention that they're teammates. <laughs> the, you know what the craziest part about you've that You've literally never seen in that bat between these two before, ever. And you know what the craziest part about that at bat too is? Trout was guaranteed the third at bat, right? So you literally had this window of two batters to let everybody you know who's remotely into sports be like, hey man, in like... 10 minutes this is happening like he was a guaranteed at bat at that moment so like everyone knew it was coming like there was no escaping it there was this there was this buildup between batters knowing that trout was eventually going to be on deck and then in the batter's box like it was insane it's it's things like this that make it easy to romanticize sports like very easy um and probably what is the crux of what makes people sports fans is these moments, right? You know, we all love the competition. We We all love supporting our teams and we all love that, but we live to be in those moments as sports fans. You know, like we kind of briefly just mentioned like the Vancouver Olympics and the golden goal. Like that was one that's, that's our 72, you know, our generation's 1972. The, seeing Jordan hit 
the buzzer beater shots. You know, Kawhi Leonard, that game seven shot against Philly, that kind of moment. Um, the Otani Trout is another one. You know, we, as much as we can say we love watching sports, we'll always call back to those moments. And those will always be the ones where you get the highlight pack and when it's like the big music and, you know, they sell you on the games and it's those. It reminds me of that episode of Brockmire where one of the owners, the owner of the team is like looking for, I don't remember exactly the premise of the episode, but essentially she was like doing a promotional thing, like a, a video game thing for all the people in the crowd. And it was like an AR game and they're on their phones, like catching a Pokemon or some shit. I don't know, whatever the fuck it was. And like this old guy comes up to her, like this old decision maker. He's like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is not going to make us any money. And she's like, no, you understand. I am selling them the most addictive drug in the world right now. Nostalgia. Because they're going to remember this for the rest of their lives. And they're going to remember the good time that they had in this ballpark. And for, for generations and generations, they're going to bring their kids and their kids and their kids because of the nostalgia they just create in this moment. And that's what sports does. Is like It creates that moment and you will forever have that nostalgia of chasing that great moment again. And, it's generational. and I'm glad, Maddie, that you brought up the... 2010 Vancouver Olympics. And I know there was one after that. There was Sochi in 2014. But like Canada walked over everyone in that Olympics in Sochi. Well, oh, in Sochi. Sorry, I think you meant in Vancouver. Yeah. But what I'm, what I'm getting at is, and I know there was the, the World Cup of hockey that happened at some point after 2014, but that doesn't really mean anything. It's been nine years since the last Olympic appearance from the NHL players in the Olympics. I said it last week when we were talking about the World Baseball Classic. I said, we will, we will never see that happen again. The NHL in the World Cup, for as, or excuse me, NHL in the Olympics, for as long as Gary Bettman is around. Um, I still think that, although it was nice to hear Connor McDavid shortly after the World Baseball Classic bring it up as well and say, like, look, it'd be great if we, the NHL could have a best-on-best best tournament as well. That would be fantastic. But So clearly the players want it. Um, but unfortunately, that is half the battle, and you have to get the league behind it as well. And again, until Gary Bettman retires, I don't think we'll ever see that again. I think the scary thing for the NHL is, is the ownership, and they don't. I don't know if the owners want it because... Uh, you know, apparently the Russia piece, well, there's two arguments on the Russia piece. One, it was in Russia. So they talked a lot about insurance costs. And I don't know if the insurance costs were associated with them being in Russia or them being hockey players. But um, the, the difference between like an international baseball tournament or an international footy tournament or anything like that is I think the risk of injury to these guys is is quite significantly less than a hockey player and i know that there isn't as much physical contact in international play but i mean a lot of a lot more freak stuff i think can happen i mean look at john Tavares in the last olympics right you know so i almost wonder if it's john Tavares's fault that they don't go back right it's it's um it's expensive and it's a gamble for these owners who are probably, you know, no pun intended on thin ice in terms of their financials. And they need these star players in the lineups to sell tickets. And if they don't, um, and they're not competitive, then they, you know, their year goes downhill. 
So I wonder if it's just more complicated than just like, like it's not just Batman like sitting in his chair in his living room, smoking his pipe being like, those fuckers are never going to get international hockey. Uh, but I mean, there is a self level of self. I think the owners don't know what they don't have because they don't have it. Like you said last week, it is an incredible way to grow the game, uh, especially in other markets and other countries. Uh, it's just unfortunate that, and I don't know if it's because, you know, hockey is so fast paced and, and, and there's a level of risk there. I think that's inherently different than any other sport. I just, I can't wrap my head around the fact that we could potentially be robbed of Connor McDavid versus Austin Matthews in a gold medal game. You know, with Kale McCarr on one end, Adam Fox on another on D, and like Mitch Marner on the wing on one side, and potentially Jack Hughes or even like a Jack Eichel. Well, do you know what I mean? Like, we're getting robbed of some of the best talent that I mean, we Canada's always been spoiled with very high level talent. So, you know, it's one thing, but the fact that this is the peak of the US talent for hockey. And we're going to potentially get robbed of seeing them be able to compete against, you know, I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that historically the best country in the world against or for hockey. And to think that that could never happen is just, I think, a massive lost opportunity for growing the game. Well, wasn't the... The other piece too is is you know Russia's inclusion. We're gonna miss even if there was a World Cup next year. I don't I don't know that Russia would be eligible. Like let's say it was right. Like they wouldn't be eligible, which means there's an entire segment of quality top NHL players that we wouldn't even see. Like there's so much going on that would just preclude it from being best on best. Which like it it would be very difficult for me to to watch a tournament like that and then be like, where's Kirill Kaprizov? Right, you, that's you want to see all those players competing against each other. You want to see Kaprizov on a line with Ovechkin. Like that's what you want to see. Um, so it feels like it's unfortunate that it's just nothing is working in the NHL's favor for this to even remotely happen. The way it should, uh, anyway. Yeah, the, it's you bring up an interesting thing about the Russian players. I had this thought, and it just kind of rekindled now as you said that. We may see a time period where Russia's like sixth or seventh on the list of superpowers in hockey because their players either one never come here and develop with the North American game. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing them become a much lesser tier level player because NHL teams won't draft them. The younger kids can't get over here to play junior. And so they're going to be stuck playing in the you know, the KHL. And then if there ever are allowed back in the Olympics and they do play, it's this next level of competition against players that have been playing against the other best in the world. They're not going to be up to par. That shit rolls downhill, right? Exactly. So I'm wondering if this is like, how many times did we, were there like great Russian players in the NHL at any given time? You know, like the Kovalchuks, the Ovechkins, the Malkins, you Fedorov, know, Fedorov, all right, exactly. Now it's Ovechkin who's literally at this point hanging on to just break Gretzky's record. 
he's not who he was before. We understand that. He can still produce at an insane, insane rate, but he's not the same player. And then if you look down the list of Russian players, it's Kaprizov. Panarin. Well, it's Kucherov as well. Well, Kucherov. yeah, but it's not it's not the the level top to bottom on that team. Right, but I mean it could be in, in a few years if you think about it. Like Sveshnikov is going to be good, maybe you'd think so. Like Shesterkin could be good. <laughs> I, well, I see your point. Like it's not like they're not the top of the NHL in any way right now. But Panarin, I guess, is another one. Like, I don't know who they have on D. Well, Panarin's also getting older. He's not, like, he can still produce. But, I mean, you're also thinking relative to them playing NHL games against other NHL teams, right? But you take Panarin, you put him up against the Team USA or Team Canada. Like, that's that's a steep jump in competition than what he's used to playing. Well, I will say this, that... And I think I actually just closed the tab. How do you... (laughs) But, um... The Russians did have their Olympic ban revoked lately, like in the past few days, actually. So they are able to compete in the Olympics again, unless um, the war on Ukraine continues. So the ban that they had originally in 2019 was in relation to their um, doping, their drug use, we'll say the doping, if you uh, if you will. That was why they got banned for four years. So that ban would have ended this year, and it did. So it wasn't extended. Um, but they said they will potentially still ban them in the upcoming Olympics if they, you know, if this war continues and if they're not publicly against the war on Ukraine, which obviously they won't be if uh, Russia is still in, at war in the next few years. So all that said... The next Winter Olympics is going to be 2026. Milan? In Milan. Ooh, that, that, that would be one to attend, sir. Well, also, consider this. Consider this. The last Olympics that the NHL players were involved in was 2014 Sochi. Canada got gold. Mm-hmm. 2010 Vancouver. NHL was involved. Canada got gold. 2002, <laughs> Salt Lake City, Canada got gold. What did I skip over? Well, it was 2006 in Turin, <laughs> which also happens to be in Italy. So, what did Canada get? They oh, they finished like sixth. Yeah. Hmm. So, but that was the big change in mentality of building a team. After Turin, they started building their teams drastically different for international play. Because if that was indicative of the result or of potential outcome, realistically, Canada wouldn't have meddled in Sochi. I suppose. Because but I'm that, just saying, like, I think it would be a, a good story if the NHL is... I still don't believe it, though. But if the NHL is planning on going to the 2026 Olympics, who knows? Maybe after seeing the World Baseball Classic, there's, they're like, you know what? There's too much money to be made here. This is too good of an opportunity. It's in Italy. It's not like it's halfway across the world in Asia, like the last two Olympics being in uh, Beijing and Pyeongchang. Like it's not, it's not there anymore. It's not in Asia. It's in Europe. It's not that far away. 
I will say this though. The difference is, is that the world baseball classic is managed by the MLB. No, I believe so. Yes. So that's the difference is the MLB is taking a big cut. If not all the cut for the world baseball classic. Right. But then Where can do it then like the, the NHL should figure out a way. Well, they're trying that. with their world cup, which is going to be managed in, essentially run and facilitated by the nhl then don't give this team north america shit that's that's the other issue right is that it's not like baseball where there's a lot more other countries involved in the sport or soccer where every fucking country plays a sport because all you need is a foot and a ball right but also it wasn't just major league baseball players playing in the world baseball classic so that's i think that's the major difference whereas the world cup of hockey when the nhl ran it it was just nhl players so that's why you ended up with Team World and Team North America because you just ran out of teams. You couldn't like you couldn't field a Kazakhstan team because you didn't have the players. Well, they could if they pulled them from the America. other elite leagues. No, the other elite leagues. That's right? what, that's what Whether, we're saying. Yeah. But that's what. Yeah, they would need cooperation with all the other leagues in Europe and other parts of the world. Well, they would do it in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, they would. Yeah. It's. It's probably well, the and it's well that's probably the NHL, not those leagues. Sure. Yeah, yeah no, I, I I agree with that. Yeah. They want it to be only their players advertised, right? Like but again, they don't understand the the rising tide of the sport of hockey helps the NHL exponentially over these other leagues. They're just too dumb to realize that. They're too as to borrow Ronda Rousey's term, too many octogenarians. Yeah. Old white dudes owning these teams that just don't see past you know the gate (laughs) just the gate what's my gate right but like what they don't see is that like a lot of the market now is outside of attending games a lot of the market is in you know views and clicks and counts right but like their mindset is so archaic they don't understand that Mm -hmm. you know like the the money now for sports is in the moments that we got with otani and turner or sorry, Otani and Trout, and the repost of the videos and the likes on Twitter and Instagram and things yeah. like that. It sells like, merch. It sells so many things, right? Right. But like the content is king for sports now, not attending in the gate, you know? Um, and I think that's the problem with the NHL. I think the NFL does an amazing job with content outside of being at the game. In terms of the big four sports, I think they do great with their coverage on panels. They do great with some of their auxiliary content that you can get. Their pushing of fantasy and things like that. Like there's, there's so much that the NFL does right that I'm shocked that these, as you said, Ronda Rousey puts it, these octogenarians don't say, "Whoa, let's try some of that strategy," even if it doesn't work to the same degree. If it even increases by 2%, that's 2% you didn't have before. There's something that NHL did recently, though, that was kind of neat. Did you see the the Disney thing where they played the game, but it's in animation, oh, like yeah. live? So, like, you that can watch cool. the game. The li- So, you, whatever game's playing on whatever station, they, what, they simulcast it, but in real-time animation which I think is hilarious and it's great. And it's great for kids. I'm sure kids watch it and they think it's fantastic. 
also too it's something different like yeah. who cares if you try something out of like outside of the box and sure maybe it doesn't work but at least you're making an effort to try and be like hey <laughs> let's just try this not just keeping you know the key to success is just keeping the coyotes in arizona well the, <laughs> the other thing too is it, it essentially like there's a aspect of the game that is being i guess representative of the state of the game and for years it was new jersey in the neutral zone trap and it was the most boring fucking thing ever and essentially that's what the nhl has done is just the same shit for years and years and years that they need freshness they need something new you hope that with the cup playoffs maybe they have some things planned this year that could do that but the one thing that they got to get rid of is on the power play where they have the fucking name banner above whoever has the puck. It's fucking <laughs> stupid. It pisses me off. Like I scream at the TV being like, we know who has the fucking puck. I know what you're doing and I don't like it. You know, I know you're doing this for people that don't watch the game as much and understand like, know whose number is what or follow the play in the same way. But man, it's just obnoxious. It's the biggest piece of dog shit. It's true. Have you seen it, Dustin? I've heard about it, but I didn't actually get a chance to see it. It is so bad. I was watching it last night on the Leafs power play in Nashville, and I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, essentially, there's a banner over the head of the player who has the puck on the power play. And then every time he passes the puck, the banner essentially disappears and then reappears above the new player who has the puck. It's so bad. Yeah, it might be. It might need a little bit of work. Oh, they brought back the glowy puck on NBC or whatever. And it's it's so stupid. Oh, my God. Well, like we hope that the NHL resumes their play in the Olympics. It would be lovely to see. I think we all want to see it. But um. Actually, as I was looking at that 2010 Vancouver team, you look go down that roster of that team. Um, one of the guys on that team who won Olympic gold was Eric Stahl. And Eric Stahl found his himself and his brother, uh, Mark, which I should specify because three of them played in the NHL. Um, him and Mark, Eric and Mark, pronouns pal, um, found themselves in the news this week because... The Toronto Maple Leafs were playing. Wait, what was the game against the Leafs, right? I'm not making that up, right? Yep. It was. Okay. It was uh, the Leafs uh, against the Florida Panthers in Florida. And the Panthers were wearing their pride sweaters during warm-up. And, of course, efforts to uh, raise awareness that everyone is welcome in hockey and all those wonderful things in support of the LGBTQIA plus community. And I know last week we talked about James Reimer refusing to wear one for the San Jose Sharks. And believe it or not, James Reimer does still play in the NHL. And Eric and Mark Stahl did the same thing with the Florida Panthers, refusing to wear their pride sweaters because of Jesus. Now, I almost feel like this is a bigger deal than the James Reimer story. And the reason why I don't think is getting as much press is because, I mean, James Reimer is a Maple Leaf, so I think that's why people were talking about it more, at least in this market. Eric and Mark never were. And even though I suggested bringing Eric and Mark in at the trade deadline, 
uh, during one of our episodes, we were talking about who the Leafs should bring in. I'm glad that never happened now. But I think, in my opinion, this ends up should be a bigger story than the Reimer thing, but it's not, and it won't be, because of just the way Florida is. And the fact that a, a state that is that conservative or that Republican, and for them to be flying a rainbow flag outside their building... And for a major professional sports team in the state of Florida to be having a day like this and to be wearing these sweaters is monumental for the people of Florida, uh, specifically the people who exist within this group of people. But again, we have uh, a certain number of hockey players who refuse to Except um, everyone. Now, I will read one portion of their statement that says, we carry no judgment on how people choose, their, choose to live their lives and believe that all people should be welcome in all aspects of the game of hockey. Okay. And the next sentence says, however, said, however, having said that, we feel that us wearing a pride jersey is going against our Christian beliefs. James, we need a button on the soundboard for bullshit. Because <laughs> that, that is bullshit. And, and what I mean by that is, it's a lie. And they can claim that it's religious, but it's not. It's, it's bullshit. <laughs> like, you guys ever watch Suits? When oh, uh, yeah. Harvey, and, Harvey and Mike are, like, arguing about some legal bullshit? And they're like going back and forth. And then instead of just Harvey and Michael, it's just a lawyer talk between all the other lawyers. Like bullshit. And they're calling each other on their bullshit. Like I'm calling bullshit on dude one Eric and Mark Stone. It's bullshit for Eric because he was oh, I forgot about that part altogether. <laughs> to have done it already in Montreal. Yeah. There's proof. The reporter said there's photographic evidence. And no, he's like, I've never worn a pride jersey. He wore one in Montreal. It's him. Oh, so, yes. If you, did, if you didn't see the clip, there was a reporter after the game asking Eric and Mark Stahl like, why they didn't wear it. And the reporter said to him, there is photographic proof of you wearing a pride sweater. And Eric looked like, like, in dis, like, almost like, like, like he offended wasn't by there. the answer. It was so, like, it was like such a stupid thing to say, like, I've never done that. Disingenuously saying, like, I've never worn a pride sweater. Like, in response to the question, not even the question, the the, the statement of the reporter saying, there's photographic proof of you wearing a pride sweater in your time in Montreal. And Eric was like, I've never worn a pride sweater. Like, defiantly (laughs) saying it to her. You know what the uh, problem is? I I say her. I don't know if actually it was a woman asking the question. Nevertheless, defiantly saying to the reporter, I've never worn a pride sweater. You know what the problem is? You said why it's not as big a news story. I don't think it has anything to do with Toronto. I think, first of all, I think it's getting diluted now because it seems like every time we do this, somebody's not doing it. And now we're just like, we joked before this, oh, let's pick out who the person on Calgary that's going to sit out. And that's not even funny. Like, it's sad that it's come to the point that we think there's going to be someone who's going to do it. Ilya Labushkin sat out Buffalo, is going to set out Buffalo. It just came out. So... And again, I know even Brian Burke was like, it's different for the Russians because of what their families or what have you might experience. 
I have more problem with the stalls because of the fact that it's legit hypocrisy. Like from the photographic evidence piece, that's what bothers me. At the very least, the James Reimer thing is consistent with the fact that that dude has been a very openly devout, verbally proven Christian religious dude. I mean, everything we've known about James Reimer since he was Toronto Maple Leaf up until now has been that he's a very staunch Christian. So at least he can back up that argument. The stalls can't back this up. And that's what bothers me. There's nothing, there's nothing to back up this, like they're deferring to Christianity or, or their convictions because up until this point, they haven't had any, or at least none that we've seen. And in fact, we've seen the contrary. So that's what bothers me more about it is the fact that there's zero consistency to their, to their reasoning or excuse. I'm going to say excuse. It's not a reason. It's an excuse. And that's why my tone is different than the Rhymer piece because you're right. This is bullshit because they're liars. Yep. And here's the thing. <laughs> yep. I would like to also, I would also like to throw this out where it's possible. It's incredible. It, it, it's absolutely possible that you oh, can find religion later in life. I was going to say, and don't tell me the born again thing. I'm, I'm just saying, hold on. <laughs> I'm getting there. It is possible for someone to say, yeah. look, like I may have worn it in the past and I was doing what my, you know, what the team wanted, what the organization wanted, what my teammates wanted. But since then I have, you know, found Jesus. And since then I decided I hated homosexual people. Like it's, it's possible you could come to Jesus later in life. But that's not what Eric Stahl said. Eric Stahl had said, I had never worn a pride jersey. And that's I, it. I, that's what he said. He's a liar. Which is a lie. And when you start lying about one thing, what else is a lie? What else is true? What's not true? Is the statement a lie? Is the statement true? How are we to know now? Or part of me is also like, is he just trying to block it out? Because when he's in Montreal, if he didn't do it, it's a bigger deal than doing it in Florida. Do you know what I mean? You know, so yeah. it's like part of him being just trying to be like denied till you die, regardless. Like the whole Trumpism, where like you could be shown a picture right to your face, and that's like, nope, didn't happen. Fake news. It was a body snatcher. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's one of the other stalls. It's a well known fact that I have three other brothers that play in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> it name. was one of them. It was it was amazing. Jared. Um. All, okay. The only other thing I will I will say that maybe maybe is an excuse for Eric Stahl. Is that, and I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I want to say it was one of the COVID years where, like, it was a bubble year or something where they wore these sweaters. Maybe he could possibly say that, ah, the bubble was a blur. I don't know what happened there. I don't, like, I blocked that entire year out of my, my, my mind, and uh, I don't remember doing that. I was thinking now, if he had said, I don't remember wearing one, that would have changed the entire situation. But the, I think it's, it's, I think you have to go and find the clip and watch it. And look at the look on Eric Stahl's face of how, like, shocked that someone would ask him that. Like, he was, he was, like, he yeah, was, like, almost like he was accosted. Face. He was disgusted. It was like the audacity of you to ask yeah. me this, to accuse me of wearing a pride sweater. The audacity of you. Yeah. To and call like, me a liar. Like almost, di yeah. almost dismissed. <laughs> Are you calling he me got a like liar? an anger boner? Yeah. You know, like, 
it was dismissive. It was like condescending. Condescending. It was arrogant. It was just. It was like he like I'm so much better than you. I'm looking my nose down on you. Like that's the vibe I got based on his body language in that moment. That's what just mm, you know just makes it worse. Mm-hmm. It now, just to make matters worse. Uh, I think it was the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, announced that they are no longer doing their Pride Night. And then the Penguins. And the Minnesota Wild and New York Rangers have also indicated that they are not. Oh, excuse me. Hold on. The, New York, the Wild and the Rangers have indicated that they would wear special jerseys in the Pride Night this season, only to opt out to wearing them before the games. The Wild announced a charity auction for the sweaters, while the Rangers sent an, um, uh, sent an announcement to all their season ticket holders. That's from ESPN. So there's other teams now that are just saying, fuck it. We're not going to do it now. Well, that's what I said last week, right? Like at some point, well, it is embarrassing. However, I think they need to maybe walk. And I'm not saying it's the right thing, but it might be the thing they need to do. And they need to walk before they run with this because the conversations that we're having right now, probably indicative that in some ways more damage than good is being done or at least some damage that we don't want to be done is being done. I, you know what? I take that back. I think more good still being done, but I think inviting this type of bullshittery in is unfortunate. And maybe just right now, like it's, it, you have to try and get the message through without, without inviting the, the pointless counter argument in. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? So my thought is that yes, there is good coming from this still. The good isn't that they're just like, you know, some players are still wearing it. The good is showing that the NHL and the sport of hockey isn't where we all like to think it is and that there's True. still a lot of work to be done. And a lot, and not just, you know, saying, well, it's a couple bad apples. No, it just, those are the ones that are speaking up. And you're there's seeing other guys that are probably just show- falling in line. Yeah. Some dickheads are showing their cards, right? You know? Yeah. And, you know, power to them to have their convictions like that. You're still a piece of shit. But <laughs> regardless, um, I think that's what the good is coming from this is kind of twofold. That yes, some players are saying, you know what, fuck these guys, we're still gonna wear it because we're still with you. And you know, you have some strong voices in support of, you know, inclusion and you know, diversity and just embracing people's truest self, which is fantastic. But like I said, the other thing is showing how much work and how much, you know, effort still needs to be put in to making, you know, the Pride Night really the inclusive aspect or the sport, the inclusive atmosphere that they're really trying to market it to be. Um, How do you solve that? I mean, I don't know if you really can. Short of, you know, either benching guys or, you know, sitting them or finding them or whatever. But at that point, you're that's when I think you'll start to see the reverse and the damage that this could do is because then you're going to get the 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 free speech heroes who are going to say, well, they're just exercising their right to believe what they want in the free speech and blah, 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 blah you can't find them or sit them or bench them. And then you're going to get the polar opposite of, you know, the anti-gay crowd 
the anti-LGBTQ crowd come out in extreme vitriol if something like that were to happen. Well, here's the thing. Like, I don't think you can bench someone or find them. Oh, you could bench them all you want. Well, yes, but like you, you don't typically bench someone for being an asshole. Like you're just like you oh, haven't so they, done. Any, so, so I'm just saying like the job is to play hockey. If they're So they can playing, bench Jonathan Duran for being a minute and a half late to a team meeting in Montreal. That's a different scenario altogether. That's a, that's a guy who's not taking his job seriously. Someone who didn't show up to work on time. If I didn't show up to work on time, I mean, probably no one would notice. But if I didn't show up to work on time, you it would be a reasonable expectation that you would be reprimanded in some way. And that's like one of the only ways you can reprimand someone in hockey is by either finding them or sitting them. Um, I don't think you can do that in a situation like this where they're just choosing not to wear a shirt. But is there no. is there is the moral responsibility to un, to and I know that's, again, to be determined because it's all depending on beliefs and your stance and things like that. But I believe that the moral responsibility to support and be an ally for individuals in a minority community like that supersedes your obligation necessarily to a role or a job. Right, that there we we have a moral responsibility to support our fellow man before your job, right? Like to say that, then at the same time, is like if you were at your job, hypothetically, and you saw some bigot shit on someone because calling him any kind of derogatory slur in the environment, and you're just like, Well, I have a meeting to get to, I can't be late. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think once active and one's passive but the concept is still there i have i don't know if you guys are interested i thought zach hyman was very poignant on it the other day i have the clip if you guys want to hear it if not but i, I thought do. He i haven't was... heard it okay here let's listen it's really good uh, pride night tomorrow can you you've been a part of this event here for the last few years can you kind of talk about you know what it means to you to be part of it have this organization be part of it yeah i think it's extremely important been an ambassador for you know for the community for a long time and I just feel like it's important to, to show you know that hockey players care and that we're you know we're inclusive obviously there's a lot of things going around around the league with some guys choosing um, not to wear jerseys and whatnot uh, but I just think it's extremely important that we make hockey a welcoming environment for for everyone uh, and tomorrow's a, a good night to be able to show that I think you know, taping your stick is a, is a small thing you can do to you know to show your support um, unfortunately, it's been in the spotlight here this last yeah. week, especially with some players deciding not to wear the jerseys, as you mentioned. Some organizations deciding not to, you know, do the jerseys. What are your thought on thoughts on that, if you have them? Yeah, I think. Listen, it, everybody has their own personal opinion. To me, it's it's an obvious no-brainer. Um, if I was in that position, I'd I'd wear one. You know, uh, it doesn't go against any of my beliefs. It's it's. It's, you know, probably you know. On the contrary, I think it's extremely important to be open and welcoming to the, you know that greater community, just because you know, they're they're a minority and they face a lot of persecution over the years. And to have you know to show that we care and that we're willing and ready to include them in in our game and our sport uh, is extremely important to me. Like I said, it's 
I just I don't think yeah like, it's a hard question just because these people have their own personal beliefs I, I just don't agree with them and that's Zach Hyman who I don't know if he's religious or not but I think it would have been important to point out if he was but I I, 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 I understand what he's saying and like look, listen I'm on the side of saying wear the fucking sweater <laughs> but I'm just saying I don't think you should um, bench a guy for it but I mean, I'm not the coach. I don't know, like, <laughs> do whatever I, you want to. Yeah, I think I think what you right now, like, obviously, a lot of players on both sides are kind of towing that line of their responses are very political. In terms of, like Zach Hyman's, you heard it there. Guys have their own beliefs. I don't agree. You know what it'll take, I think, or not necessarily take. But you know what will happen is one day you're going to have a player who has a sibling or a family member or a best friend who might be part of the LGBTQ community and maybe spoke to them and broke down and whatever the night before. And then they get asked questions the next day. And he's like, you know what? Just fed up with it. And he was just like, all you assholes, it's bullshit that you kind of take that stance. Like, you don't get it. You don't live in their shoes. Who are you to dictate and blah, blah, blah. Some guy's going to blow up one day on either side. And you know it's going to happen. And I think that's that's where it's going to kind of go, to be honest. Yeah, I don't, I, this story's not over. Uh, this no, is going to continue exactly. to, yeah, this is going to continue to happen for a while. I know the Calgary Flames showed off their uh, sweater today. Yep. what it's going to look like. Dope looking sweater too. Oh yeah, it's sick. The Panther sweaters was sick too. It was. It was awesome. I I really liked the Panther sweaters. Um and that's the thing is I mean we said it last week, you know, wearing the sweater isn't saying, "Well, now time to go suck some dick." Like that's not what the sweater is saying. It's just saying Whatever your background, whatever your orientation, whatever your creed, whatever your race, it doesn't matter. You're welcome in in this arena. You know, you're welcome in this world. You know, you're in especially to say you're welcome in our world of hockey, which has been for how long super macho, like manly, you got to be the man type culture. So I don't know. You could probably hear I'm I'm getting really kind of annoyed and pissed off that this is shit we gotta talk about all the time because every week it seems, right? It just you just want people to just love people for who they are and not try and dictate and judge. Well, I would also love for Lamar Jackson to play for the Baltimore Ravens next year, but that's not gonna happen apparently. Or at least if Lamar gets his way. Uh this is from Jameson Hensley of ESPN. And actually, I'm just going to preface this by saying I've read this article by Jameson Hensley. That's from Game Motion's information from. So you should go to ESPN and read this article. It's a nice uh, breakdown of everything that went down. But here's the the summary of, of what's gone on here. Lamar Jackson this morning tweeted out a statement about saying how he asked for a trade. And thanks to the Baltimore Ravens fans and wants to win a Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. The crazy part about this is that he said he asked for the trade on March the 2nd. 
That was beginning of this month. Unbelievably, and I know this may be hard for everyone to find, uh, because I found it ridiculous as well, but April is very soon. <laughs> like March is almost over. We are like a third of this, uh, a quarter of this uh, year done. So that was almost a month ago when Lamar Jackson asked for a trade. Five days later is when he got franchise tagged. Now, and it's also important to note that Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. So you're typically dealing with him or his mother when you are discussing contract information. So keep that in mind, too, as you're thinking about what this conversation must have been when the Ravens organization offered a contract to Lamar Jackson. He said no. And they offered another contract. And he said no. And they said, fine, fuck it. We're going to franchise tag him. He's like, no, trade me. Like, get me out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. And obviously, it all comes down to money. Or at least that's what it appeared to be. That it, it's, it comes down to money, where sources at ESPN and Adam Schefter said that Lamar Jackson turned down an offer from Baltimore that included $133 million guaranteed at signing, $175 million guaranteed for injury, and $200 million in total guarantee if he's on the roster on the fifth day of the, of the 2026 season. That $200 million would rank second behind Deshaun Watson, which was five years, $230 million. And I think that's where it, it sticks with Lamar Jackson, is that you're offering me less money than Deshaun Watson. I think that whole Deshaun Watson contract is such a huge albatross on this whole scenario that the Cleveland Browns signed this fucking idiot to so much money that every other quarterback now is going to look at it and say, hey, the sexual assaulter got $230 million guaranteed, and yet I'm being offered $133 million right now. Where, where's the disconnect? Where, so what, what is the value of Lamar Jackson? That's got to be the question that needs to be answered right now because if the Ravens don't have Lamar Jackson this year, Tyler Huntley's probably their starter because I can't imagine they're going to attract any big-time quarterbacks, A, given the scenario that's happened with Lamar Jackson, and B, with the sheer shambles that their offense is in right now. Without Lamar Jackson, who the fuck is throwing the ball to anyone? Like You have Mark Andrews, and that's it. The one thing I don't like about the Lamar Jackson narrative is, and I traditionally love Donovan Bennett, but Donovan Bennett has turned this into a huge, nobody's signing Lamar because he's black thing, or nobody's trading for Lamar because he's black. And it's, I think your point about the Browns handing Deshaun Watson that money eliminates that as an argument. Like, I, I Exactly. I don't think that's anywhere close to the, I mean... How many quarterbacks in the league are black now? Like Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of the, of the NFL, right? Um, yeah. Kyler Murray got a ton of money as well. He got $103 million, uh, guaranteed. Russell Wilson had $124 million guaranteed. These are all well, black quarterbacks. Yeah. Like this isn't, I think at that, I hate to say, I hate to say this because like, again, it comes across as maybe kind of short-sighted or nearsighted, but at that point, you're you're almost damaging the stance 
you know, because the argument becomes superficial and you're doing it for either clicks or for rage baiting. And like I said, I think it diminishes the, the issue a lot when you do that. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, it, it, um, it makes the issue. Do you take it less seriously? Right. Which is terrible to say. And it's like, I don't know if, you know, I, I don't know if I'm in a position to really truly understand or not. I don't know. I'm not because again, I've never had to deal with a lot of those issues, but as the numbers, Dustin, and you just kind of put forth in examples, it's just, you know, if that were the case, like you said, Deshaun Watson, who like, you know, putting it fairly bluntly, you know, a black person being accused and or charged with sexual assault is still getting paid that kind of money kind of defeats the whole point mm -hmm. that he was trying to make. But for Lamar, I think it's the real issue becomes the guy has an MVP, hasn't really won anything beyond that, hasn't finished the last two seasons. Guaranteed money is tough to hand out. And the Browns are probably just morons. Um, in them handing out money that way. And I would say that Deshaun is probably the exception and not the rule. And Lamar wants to be another exception. And I just, I don't think there's anybody or another team in the NFL that's as dumb as the Browns to do something like that, especially with a guy that hasn't finished the last two seasons. And I know, you know, he was on your team in the Ravens, Dustin, but um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that the value for Lamar Jackson as a one-time MVP who hasn't really won anything else is at the same level as a guy like a Mahomes or even a Russell, like, hey, even a Russell Wilson. The guy's won. The guy's won a Super Bowl, right? And I mean, there's a body of work behind Russell Wilson that got him paid. There's, there's a very short body of work for Lamar Jackson it's going to get him paid he's just maybe not going to take the bags that other people did doing more and I think that's I mean he can reference Kyler Murray like yeah man you should absolutely make the same kind of money Kyler Murray's making but if you don't finish the last two seasons guaranteed money is going to be hard to come by unless you find a dumb team and who's another dumb team in the NFL and there's and the quarterback the quarter the other thing that's hurting his market value is the quarterback depth in this year's draft is like four or five deep in the top 10 picks. So even if you want, like if you're Lamar Jackson, where are you going to go? To be honest, the only option or ironically the best option. Well, it's not, you're not going to go to New York because they're going to have to rewrite their offense. The jets aren't going to rewrite that's, their offense for Lamar Jackson. That's the biggest issue. I think that he's going to run into is that, and I think that's why we probably haven't seen a trade yet. Because again, he left he asked for a trade as of recording 25 days ago. And five days after asking for the trade, he got the non-exclusive franchise tag, which means other teams could have still offered him an offer sheet. And I mean he hasn't signed one yet. I shouldn't say he hasn't got one yet, but he hasn't signed one yet. So there's clearly teams that are not jumping at the opportunity to land Lamar Jackson. And yeah, I, I think that's a main reason why is that teams need to be built specifically around a quarterback like this. You have to, your offense has to make sense for Lamar Jackson to exist in it. And there's not a lot of teams that have an offense like that.
And you made a good early point when you predicted that maybe the Carolina Panthers would be a landing spot. And now I see it because they were basically a blank slate, right? They had traded Christian McCaffrey. They didn't have a solid number one quarterback. It was the door was open to bring in Lamar and kind of build around him. I think the Colts could be considered in the same position. Um, Pats, the you don't Pats. Think Bill Belichick takes takes a run at getting Lamar Jackson. I don't know. I don't know. If he's fit. He fits into like the way he traditionally runs a team, but uh, you look at the Col- the the Panthers. They went out and traded the world for the first overall pick, so they're they're going to take Stroud or or Young. So. You know, it seems like they, again, deep quarterback draft. You're not going to have to pay the guy a gajillion dollars. They're going to take their their chances there, you know. And and the thing is, nobody's talking to Lamar, talking him off a ledge. He's not an agent, right? He's doing this all himself. So he thinks he can get whatever he wants doing it himself. And there's nobody to keep him in check saying, Lamar, you're not going to fucking get guaranteed money. And this is the best deal you're going to get. And I know this because I've done this for 20 years. There's nobody doing that, so I just—it looks bad when, as I said, the sexual assault accused alleged gets that level of money, and Lamar Jackson isn't. Well, dude, he's the highest-paid quarterback in the league. Deshaun Watson is, and like he shouldn't be. <laughs> like that's what I mean. Right. He's the exception, not the rule, right? Right. But what I'm saying is, is like even getting close to that. Teams aren't willing to do it. I I just think what I think there's he's gained the reputation of being difficult, and in the NFL, the last thing you want you you have so much shit to deal with, regardless that you don't want a problem case. You don't want someone who's going to disrupt. You don't want so, you want someone. It sounds terrible to say this. You want a good soldier. You want someone to come in, be told what to do, play out the game plan, and there you go. Do you know what I mean? And I know people will point to Mahomes, but again, same thing with Deshaun in terms of his contract. Mahomes is the exception, not the rule, right? So I just think that too many teams look and say, "Hey, look, he's, you know, he's causing too many problems, you know, he with either teammates or the organization and things like that." And he hasn't really earned the right to do that, a la an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady, where they can dictate certain aspects of the team around them or a Patrick Mahomes who can dictate how he plays because he's earned the right to be able to do that. He's earned the right to go to Andy Reid and be like, yeah, I saw this play, but I thought I'd say fuck it because it just didn't make sense in that moment or I had a vibe. You know, Mahomes can do that. He's a two-time MVP, two-time Super Bowl winner. He whatever the fuck he wants on that field. He could drop his pants and whip his dick out for all they care. He do whatever the hell he wants. So I just... At some point, and again, you guys could speak to this a lot better. At some point, he's just going to have to take what he can get, no? Or he's just going to have to eat shit and continue playing for the Ravens. What's the, what's more here? That's I'll posit that then to you guys. What's more likely by OTAs or season starting? What's more likely? Lamar stays in Baltimore or he's playing somewhere else? I'll throw a third option at you. He doesn't play at all. The third option is he just sits out and doesn't play at all this season until he's traded. The other, yeah, the other option being he plays for the Ravens or he gets offer sheeted or traded to another team, presumably the the Colts, maybe who who still have no quarterback. Of those options, 
I can see Lamar Jackson remaining with the Baltimore Ravens and sitting out until something happens. And something may not happen at all this season. I, I, I think they've reached a point where he is done with the Ravens. But I find it hard to believe that they're just going to be okay with moving the guy who's under a franchise tag. Dude, teams are moving on. Like NFL teams have moved on. Seattle, Geno Smith. Like, think about that. Like, they signed Geno. And you can say, well, Desha- or, or Lamar is better than Geno, but like, okay, run through the list. But okay? Geno's been go- in the system for a year now, and Geno, yeah, they, like, right. they like him there. Right. So, like, that's what I mean. Let's run through the list. The Cardinals, Kyler Murray, right? The Falcons, I think they're they're banking on Desmond Ritter. Right? The Bills, Josh Allen. Carolina, probably CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. The Bengals, Joe Burrow. The Bears, Justin Fields. The Browns, well, we know. The Cowboys, Dak. Denver, let's ride. Detroit, Jared Goff. Houston, they're like the second pick, so they're going to take a quarterback. They're going to get Stroud or Young or somebody. The Packers, I think they're, they're on to Jordan Love. The Colts, maybe. The Rams, Stafford. Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence. Maybe Minnesota, but again, you have so many offensive weapons there, he's not going to work. Kansas City, we all know. New Orleans, just signed their dude. Vegas, just signed their dude. Garoppolo, the Giants, Danny Dimes. The Chargers, Herbert. Eagles, Hurts. Dolphins, it's two and Mike White. San Francisco is one of three dudes. The Pats is Mac Jones. Seattle's Geno. The Jets are probably Aaron Rodgers. Tampa Bay is now Baker Mayfield. The Steelers is Kenny Pickett. Maybe the Commanders and maybe the Titans. So he has like the Commanders, the Titans, and the Colts to choose from. Maybe the Falcons. Maybe the Falcons. That's not a so lot. So you have like, no, he has four options. And like, and of those four options, they have, they have to either A, uh, given an offer sheet that is better than what he already has with his franchise tag, and B would or or B make a trade for him, and then also depends on like what would they be willing to offer for Lamar Jackson if they feel like we can get him next year, anyways. So the Ravens would be highly unmotivated to trade him, and I feel like most of these teams would look at it as why trade for a guy that we can get next year free agency. I, I just I, I'm gonna think I and, think it's gonna be hard for Lamar Jackson to find a home outside of Baltimore. And the Colts have pick four, so it's entirely possible they take somebody. Right. So now you're down to Atlanta, Tennessee, and Washington. I mean that's not. And to be honest, dude, if you want to be competitive, I, you you want to go to those teams. You want to go to Washington and be competitive. You want to go to? You want to go to? I mean, plus else? there's also the ownership situation in Washington too. So you I don't in Tennessee, they're willing to spend a ton of money right now either. You know, Tennessee and be—they're getting rid of Derrick Henry. You want to go to Tennessee and be be competitive? How? How? If he goes to, let's say he goes to Minnesota, you know, because Minnesota could hypothetically use an upgraded quarterback. Would you gonna have him with Dalvin Cook? I mean, Minnesota would be a, a good place to start. Yeah, but then you... Like, again, you of of all those options, Minnesota is the only one that could compete. Yeah. 
So and maybe that's it. Maybe he'll exchange one purple jersey for another. <laughs> hmm. That would be a lot of fun. But what's also a lot of fun is everyone's favorite segment of the week. Show, show. That's right, it's everyone's favorite segment of the week because it is the segment where we get to hear Maven's entrance music, which is always at the top of everyone's favorite list of entrance music. My shout-out... I was going back and forth on what this should be, but my shout-out is something quite ridiculous. It's actually um, the clothing line of this T-shirt. Do you guys remember these T-shirts? I found them at the bottom of a drawer. Is that Affliction? It is affliction. My shout out goes to affliction clothing that no one wears anymore. We all had these shirts. And you know what? You know what? Okay, you guys didn't. Whatever. Was that next um, to your Ed Hardy shirt? Yeah, I didn't not, ever. Not I, Woodbridge. I, don't have I did not ever uh, wear Ed Hardy, but I had a few affliction shirts because there was like. It, so to me, it was like you wore wrestling t shirts when you're a wrestling fan. And then, like, when you graduated to an MMA fan, you start wearing these affliction shirts. This is like a George St. Pierre one. Anyways, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Low-key, really comfortable shirts. Now, would I go out in public wearing this shirt? No. <laughs> Comes with a but free pack of Rufalin. <laughs> it, it, is, uh, it is very nice and soft and comfortable. So shout out to Affliction for making really nice, comfortable clothing that is so badly out of style, no one will ever wear ever again. <laughs> All right. Maddie, go ahead, Jim. All right. Nope, My shout out is to the Toronto Six for winning the Isabel Cup. Um the women's hockey championship uh I want, you know i really would have liked to take my daughter down to a game this year didn't really get to do it but um that's not to say it won't happen uh, i would like to introduce her to a bunch more uh women's sports this year um she's taking a real liking to her soccer class so if the women's national team is gearing up for the uh world cup it'd be nice to to take her to one of those i know the WNBA is coming and uh, even though it's been the 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 point of uh, a lot of discussions in the last twelve months about you know equal pay in the WNBA, et cetera, et cetera, um, you know I think it's still it's still a very entertaining sport, and there's a lot of talented women there. So shout out to the Toronto Six for les champions of their league. That's a good one. Actually, I'm excited for potential future of bringing my daughter and your daughter you us both taking going to a game yeah. with them that'd be really cool so uh no i agree my shout out this week is to tom taylor the writer of nightwing because honestly it's not the grand cosmic scale or the world ending threat it's a more similar to batman like a nitty-gritty street story but honestly this one's just hitting home especially with how they've kind of written a lot of the emotional impact and like what dick has always meant to bruce and what he meant to alfred and then you know because we always posit what we would do if we ever won all this money or if we ever came into a lot of money and to kind of see that you know he writes the character to be almost the best version of what a superhero should be without the power kind of thing it's just I don't know. It's just it's had me from start to finish. And like, I know Jim has sat there and probably gotten text from me at like one in the morning of screenshots of some of the issues. And it's just I don't know. Sometimes, you know, books just hit hard and this one's really got me. So my shout outs for Tom Taylor. 
All right. Well, thank you to all of them. A shout out to all of them. And thank you to all of you for tuning in to another episode of 43.6. And when I return to this show, I will have all sorts of WrestleMania stories that I'm sure you would all love to hear. But we'll have to wait for that one. We will see you next week. week. (laughs) What? We'll see you next week. Masters talk next week. Dustin's not here. He's not really a big golf guy. You and me watch a lot of golf, so we can talk about the Masters. I hit the right button. Play me out. <laughs>